0: The views and opinions expressed by the guests on this podcast are that of their own. In no way, shape, or form do they reflect the official policy or position of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack.
1: You've descended into the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack a commercial diving podcast by working divers
0: for divers. This episode is brought to you by Joint Zone Equipment. They offer hydraulic power packs, underwater hydraulic tools, and their revolutionary underwater lift bags. Their underwater lift bags have raised the manufacturing standards across the industry. No glue is used in the manufacturing process, and all the seams and attachment points are radio frequency welded using a material that provides a higher puncture resistance in a lighter weight. So make your next joint zone purchase from one of the stocking distributors such as Rental Tools online or Amron International. jointzoneequipment.com leading from below.
1: All right, this is the bottom dollar's dive check. Thank you for joining us. Man, this is we've had some bangers lately like banger after banger after banger and here's another one we got a uh, we got Anthony on here his uh, instagram handle is a uh, How diving how mm-hmm. you doing anthony
2: i'm doing good
1: how are you guys doing great I'm man i'm fine then johnny's here back Howdy. from the dead
3: back from the dead yeah i'm all right <laughs> all right
1: i'm glad you're doing better
3: <laughs> i'm not drinking yet
1: I like how that's the first thing you say on this episode, so everyone's going to like turn it off right now. <laughs> like, oh, screw this guy. He's only funny when he drinks. Heavy drinking. I've
3: been doing a lot
1: of drinking. No, and you know what? Just real quick, that's kind of important. Sometimes you find yourself finishing a 30-pack in, uh, in a weekend, and a half. or in a day and a half, in your case, and you realize that, hey, I've got to cool my jets a little bit. Maybe I should take a two-week break. Yeah. I was
3: on vacation, so... See, that's how it starts.
1: I was on vacation. I did this line, I was on vacation, you know, or I was. Yeah, (laughs) I've said that a few (laughs)
3: times.
1: Yep, yep, yep. But anyhow, it's it's good. Uh, The silver Johnny is just as good as the uh, inebriated Johnny. Mm -hmm. I can testify to that. (laughs) Not really. Anyways, Anthony, you just jumped into the dive shack. This is how it goes. Sorry.
2: (laughs) no worries used to it nice so we just had a big banger this weekend so
1: yeah we saw that man you, are you still recovering
2: uh, actually pretty good we uh you know it's a it's a marathon so you gotta drink stay hydrated and eat so That's we good. had two days out on the boat they had this big uh or boats and floats right across the river from us so nice and and yeah, where is across uh, the river um, so I'm in Forked River, which is like near what most people consider like the Jersey shore, but, uh, more specifically near Barnegat Inlet. So I live right on the water, um, on the Forked River and 15 minutes away. If that you're straight across, it's behind, uh, basically the Barrier Islands and there's a big shoal that everybody ties up to and hangs out on the weekend. So that's our spot after we, uh, the weather's bad or after we go out diving or fishing or something on the weekend
1: nice man how's the uh how's water temp out there it gets pretty warm in the atlantic doesn't
2: it yeah it's it was been pretty good this year it was uh i mean the bay water because you're in like three feet of water there it was like 79 80, oh, wow. and it was like 94 yeah, that's, 95 that's really so it was it was beautiful yeah but um we've been having a lot of south southwest or west and southwest wind so we the last actually since this weekend the temp dropped we were just off um out of south jersey today for um an outfall inspection and the surface temperature has been like 70 the bottom's been cold and this is only like 30 feet of water but uh it was in the it was 65 today so it dropped um, oh wow. the beach water got cold yeah it's about yeah. our temperature a little upwelling when we get when we get the uh calm seas like that are usually west winds in the summer it's all these start getting the upwelling from offshore and the surface water and the beach water gets cold but Eh, it's okay. I'll take the seas. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've oh. been through a nor'easter in that area, and it sucks. Yeah, that's yeah, terrible. Or and a yeah, nor'easters
2: are kind of like uh, like like some hurricanes. I went to the college down in Florida, so I got a fair share of hurricanes. But a one category one two is pretty much the same, typically, as a bad nor'easter up here. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, rough. It's just colder with snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Freaking cold, 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 cold but uh
1: yeah man it's, it's great that you were able to able to hop on and uh so you yeah you live out there in jersey yeah? i know where you're trying. what's that you live out there in jersey right
2: yes nice. yeah i'm from from here originally all right jersey represent yeah. awesome
1: Yep. Yeah. so you know those waters like the back of your hand when did you first start diving
2: um, I got certified in 2000. Um, I was about, I think it was like 15, 14, 15. It was actually, um, a birthday gift. And it was my dad's idea, um, I had seen it grow up on the water. He used to run charter fishing boats. So, um, and his idea was get that. So that way you can scrub the bottom of the boat, change the zinc, change the props. Smart. It's a great dad. Right very smart. <laughs> um, that was that was his investment and idea from it, and then um, I remember doing my first – I did mine a little backwards. Usually we do, like, quarry dives for the first two dives and then the ocean, but it just worked out, and it, you could do it either way. I did first two dives in the ocean, and uh, it's in 30 foot of water right off of uh, Stone Harbor, and you couldn't see anything. They brought me down the anchor line. The mask wasn't working right. You have all the – 14 mil, you know, wetsuit on. Everything came back up, got situated, went down. And I remember it had, it's like, I'm one of the only places to have cold water coral. Okay, like this white coral and there's some tropical fish. And I got hooked after that, finished my checkout dives. And then kind of uh, each year after that kind of started progressing um, up the ranks and, you know, to get more experience in diving. And then uh, I started in, the dive shop that I got certified with was Atlantic Divers, which is a local shop that's been around forever. Um, basically, started working there through um, college, during the summers. I was able to fund my diving because I was broke, so I basically was a was a dive master at that point. So I was on mostly all the charters that they ran, and they ran a pretty good schedule for the Northeast. So uh, it would be we do a week Wednesday dive, and then Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So. If I wasn't working in the shop, I got to go. The weather was good, and really, uh, kind of get my teeth into it at that point, and you know, and do it for free, or get paid to do it. Actually, nice.
1: <laughs> free so. is always good, especially yeah. when you get to do what you love. You know, yes.
3: we, awesome. yeah. yep. we just talked about doing our yeah. uh, continuing our scuba dive education this yeah.
1: morning. But we can't tell anybody though, because scuba divers are so looked down <laughs> upon in the commercial diving community.
3: It's for fun though, it's cool. right?
1: For real Recreation. divers don't dive it's, for fun. It's correct? a fun
3: time <laughs> to be on the water.
1: Everybody listening right now is like shaking their head, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Screw yeah. those
1: scuba divers. No, it's <laughs> it, yeah. it's pretty funny. I'm glad we were able to have you on um, because you are a commercial diver. Mm-hmm. So you found your love for diving mm-hmm. through the recreational industry you became a master diver and, and everything. And then, uh, when did you decide to, to do it professionally for a living, like a real living, not like a you know dive master living?
2: Yeah. So I, um, you know, kind of I went that route with just recreationally as dive master. Um, I went down to school in Florida tech, um, for ocean engineering. So I got my undergrad in that. And then I wind up, uh, Graduating in, like, 08, and the economy wasn't great around then. Jobs were kind of scarce, and I wasn't kind of ready to be out of college yet. So they talked to the professors and got some grant money and taught there and got to stay for grad school, so extended my college for another year and a half. And um, during that time, like, right at the end there, I actually just found this company that I um, had engineer divers. Nothing, knew nothing about it. Reached out to them, talked to them. They were interested. I stayed, I decided to stay, do my master's. And when I was getting finished up, I, I just, I had the email saved I went emailed them again. And, uh, I remember going up in, um, for Thanksgiving break, having an interview, I was graduating in December and started in February. And so in February, 2011, I started with, um, a company no longer exists. It got, uh, kind of, Uh, merged or bought up, but it was called Ocean and Coastal Consultants. They were out of Trumbull, Connecticut. They were a small, uh, like 50-person firm. Probably when I was there, had like about 10, 15 um, divers. Mostly everybody was engineer divers. And then we had two, you know, basically two dive soups that were techs, that were just our dive techs. Um, And then from there, they – Started there, they were, in, you know, they were very interested in my background with the diving that I already had, so they knew it would be kind of a strong candidate with that. And um, I went to dive school. Uh, they sent me actually nice. to dive school, and at the end, like between two thousand eleven, yeah, in that year, so I finished up dive school, and then uh, I was already gone. So I went to the Minnesota school. Um, they had an engineering program, so yeah, because at at that. Prior to going and hiring there, I had I was used to teach on the side um, at a dive shop in Florida for scuba diving. Then I taught technical diving with like mixed gas and decompression. And then I was uh, also a cave diver and a, a rebreather diver at the time too. So I kind of had all the certs for the recreation side for the stuff that I did. So like I said, it was just kind of, for me, it just was another another form to learn and just now another tool in the arsenal of getting things done underwater.
3: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah, so. that's awesome because uh one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is is that um a good engineering firm if they like you, they will send you to school. Like that's what happened to me. I, it was the same thing, you know. I joined an engineering company, they liked yeah. me. They liked my topside work ethic and they ended up sending me to school. So I didn't have to pay anything. I just yeah. had to commit, you know, 2 years. Uh, staying with the company, so the way I viewed it was like, hey, that's <laughs> I got a job for two years. You know? Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, that's um, the that company I was with got kind of gobbled up. Stayed there for a while, and about four years ago, I went over to another company, and me and a coworker, and now you know, a friend of mine, we started a marine division for uh, Mid Atlantic Engineering, so I work for now. So we run basically the waterfront department, um, and we do the same thing when we're looking for new hires with, you know, with people with, you know, kind of waterfront background as far as like growing up on boats or maybe they have dive certs, you know, some recreation or they just grew you know, surfers are always good candidates mm-hmm. because they're comfortable in the water and they got an engineering degree. We, you know, test them out six, eight months, see how everything's working that way. And then, you know, we'll do the same thing. We send a couple guys to dive school and it's, you know, been good so far. I like said, sign them up for a training bond, and they're kind of they look at it the same way. I mean, I look at it the same way as young. I'm like, well, I'm guaranteed not to get fired for two years, <laughs> you know? Right. They want my money. They want their money out of it. So,
1: yeah, that's like yeah. you know, that's cool because Mid Atlantic is is a very uh it, it's a known firm. They do a lot of work, you know, and they get around. So, I mean, you get to go to some cool places with the engineering. Uh, you know, diving. I, I know I got to travel around quite a bit yeah. for that.
2: Yeah, we've I've gotten to go some pretty cool places with um you know the engineering diving firms between the current firm that I'm at and stuff. Um, one of our first big jobs that we uh, were able to get underway when we moved up when we started up this is uh, we went to Puerto Rico after the hurricanes there. Um, like in 2017, 18, I guess when it was, I was there for six weeks and I just. And we were kind of young with it so I, you know with the gear we had everything we needed had to you know figure out the logistics and that's kind of what I was doing at my old company too got everything down there was down there and then I would f- shift out teams every about like two weeks just because I mean you probably see it, too like most time when you're running like six seven days a week ten twelves mm-hmm. most people after two weeks you gotta rotate them out yeah. unless I know somebody and worked with them before and everybody was kind of new so it was cool though. We got to go down there. We've gone, um, gone to the middle. Gone to Kuwait, um, Oman for jobs. Um, all over the U.S. Uh, probably the highlight one that everybody likes. Um, we got to go to Bora Bora.
1: Nice.
2: And doing, doing yeah. surfing. That was a pretty sweet job. Was that surfing over there? No, yeah, we were we in we, Bora Bora. We went. And it was um. We we're actually inspecting one of the hotels cuz they were going to get bought out by another big one. Um it was a pretty sweet job. We we stayed on those like huts that you see and everything and that was like our dive shack, the dive boat that we rented a boat, the captain would come up with the tanks, pick us up and we did everything with um of HP bombs. Oh wow. And, and basically like yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was a, it was a uh, you know everybody was very envious that couldn't couldn't mm-hmm. go on that but nice little band mass job oh yeah you know you can see top to bottom
1: <laughs> that's so, one of those where you just had a had a, 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 a five yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I was like I'd like to get one of those again <laughs> just
1: start a company that just does hotel work that's that's all we
2: do. just, just target we do. that
1: yeah. Waterfront Hotel.
2: Once once that comes out, everybody's going to be calling up all the hotel acquisition companies looking for jobs.
1: <laughs> that's too funny, but that's cool, man. It does provide you yeah. an opportunity to like go all over the place, uh, and then you also keep busy yeah. too. You've also got a clothing line as well, right?
2: Um, my uh, my girlfriend has a uh, clothing line, apparel. Oh, nice, company. Nice. nice, very nice. Yeah, because
1: I see you rocking that, that, so I, was, I didn't know whose was, it
2: was. You know. Yeah, that's got the hat on now. But the yeah, idols yeah. and anchors—they, um, kind of like lifestyle yeah. apparel, the kind of stuff you know, water, freestyle BMX, motocross.
1: So, so stuff. she pretty much makes you model for her instead of the other way around, right? That's yeah. too funny. I'm open to be a model as well. You know, I've got a keg instead of a six pack, yeah. mm-hmm. which I think will work with a lot of our divers because a lot of them look like I do now, <laughs> especially the old washed up ones, you know,
3: oh.
1: <laughs> like myself. Yeah. Cheers. What are you drinking over there? Uh, Johnny Walker Black. Nice.
3: What are you drinking? I'm
1: just drinking burr.
3: What kind yeah. of?
1: Brewer? We got a grasshopper. It's a IPA from a steady brewing across the street
3: mm-hmm.
1: from our uh, delightful studio. It's great to have a brewery just like directly across the street. It's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, I had uh, one of my when I was in grad school. We had a um, brewery about two blocks away that was local that made everything. And they, when we moved in, the kid that actually bought the house. The first thing they did was built a bar, grabbed the old refrigerator off of Craigslist, and we had a kegerator built in, and you just go down there and every you know Monday get something new, whatever they had new. Mm-hmm. So
1: fresh beer is good beer,
2: was, even was if it's time. like
1: not the best, it's still fresh. It's got a different yeah. taste to it. Yeah.
3: yeah,
1: yeah. That's awesome. So, what have you been doing lately? Like, what what's the job they got you on right now?
2: Um. So right now we just started, um, we got uh, three ocean outfalls in South Jersey. So we're just basically um, inspecting the diffusers, making sure they got flow, there's no damage. And then if they're, if any of them are damaged or knocked over, we'll um, we'll replace them. So it's, we had to do this one. This one's a nice job. Like last year we got to replace three. So we get to do a little bit of, uh, you know, light construction kind of stuff. I mean, little little burn in, mostly just bolting and unbolting mm-hmm. stuff lift bags but we get we dabble a little bit in light stuff there where you know where it's just like things like that or you know maybe some holes or destructive testing things like that so yeah we got that's what we're right kind of doing that for a couple of days it's all weather related i got um got a bridge job up um in new york that we got to pre- we got to clean some piles to do like detailed level inspection. So we get to do some pressure washing. Um, got a couple construction jobs going on that were just coming in for, you know, the oversight, which I know probably a lot of the audience like, oh, but <laughs> we, uh, we're not there to break balls. We just make sure the, uh, the design's being installed mm-hmm. correctly. So it stays up.
1: Right. Yeah. It's always the worst so, when another dive company comes in to babysit
2: you. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> most of the most most of the guys are are pretty good, you know. Once in a while, you get you get the, it's the individual guys. Usually, the company as a whole or the supervisors they understand, you know. And sometimes the supervisors are like, "We had no idea," <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they're not underwater. They just told, "Yeah, it's done." Mm-hmm. But so we we get a mixture from just complete like regular inspection work, um, to the construction oversight stuff, and then you know we do we're we're kind of turnkey for everything. If we got to do design, um, we do rehab design, new pier design, hydro work, kind of kind of everything. Um, so it's fun. You get to you always do different stuff, and you know I'm out in the water, but also on the management side of it. So I got to keep my the younger guys busy. So sometimes last prior couple of weeks we we're just playing catch up on a you know. The office side and scheduling all this other stuff coming through. We had a couple weeks of bad weather, so at least for Mm -hmm. ocean weather-wise, and that's that's what our primary jobs are right now. We got this one and two other ones that are weather-dependent.
3: So yeah, you sound like you're very very busy all the time.
2: Because yeah, I've I've we've been we've been trying to hire a few people. So if there's any engineer divers out there that are interested. We've been. I'm gonna put a plug out there. We've been trying for the last couple of years, and it's been yeah. tough. And even talking to other companies that I have friends at and stuff, it's been been tough to find young young guys that are young guys or gals, I should say, that are willing to uh, work or kind of want to do that stuff. You know, you know how it is. Like the office stuff's one thing, but you know, I'm gonna get up at four tomorrow, take the boat, meet the guys, go down. You know, get back to the house four or five o'clock. Just what it is, but you get to be out in the
1: water so but yeah so uh i want to go back a little bit to some of the scuba stuff
3: yeah
1: everybody just collectively rolled their eyes right
3: Oh, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah let's
1: do. let's break down that stigma a little bit you still dive on the side right you're you're still doing recreational pleasure dives and stuff do you like what kind I of do. stuff do you
2: do so well any of my friends, my dive guys will listen to me like, you don't dive like you used to, which is true. Just work's been busy. And you know, sometimes on the weekends, I'm just like, I'd rather just go out. The yeah, it becomes lines. a chore right? Um, put on all the dive gear. Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I used to be in the water, you know, by May to do the, the recreation stuff. And now I'm like, it's cold. I'm cold all the time at work. I'll wait till June <laughs> when it warms up kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do, like, I, I dive with a, a group of guys that, from the shop that I started with. Um, these are all guys that were like big, like Northeast wreck divers doing like the Andrew Doria and all these big wrecks, the um, 869 and things like that off the coast. Um, and then through just kind of working on the charters, working the shop, being the guys, I got a couple opportunities to get on private trips and, you know, they kind of, you know, so I was capable invited me on stuff and now basically i dive privately on you know private dive boats that are set up for like offshore stuff or i have a, i have a little center console 28 footer that i set up to do you know some inshore stuff I go out with a couple buddies and go spearfishing and things like that um now and then so um but it's a gambit of i mean off the coast of new jersey and basically the whole east coast there's thousands and thousands of shipwrecks um, people don't even realize it i mean there's 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 three u-boats out here that are you know there's one that's in in um the sound off of block island that's very close um so people do not realize how much you know the both wars that mm-hmm. you know the enemy was right basically yeah. could see the lights um so, so we do you know we most of what we do especially with the deeper stuff um is we're, we're diving and we're looking we we look and collect artifacts um and then we also um look for new shipwrecks so uh my buddy joe has the um dive vessel tenacious that he set up solely he bought that about 10 years ago solely to set it up for offshore deep wreck diving and searching so he since then he's got and so we have hydraulics on the boat. So if we need to cut stuff, um we have we have dredging capabilities to a couple hundred feet. Um with that, we have a crane um we used to have A frame, then you just put a um small crane crane arm on it. Um uh, it's a and that's kind of my main platform for for diving and they do a lot of him um In the group but they do a lot of research too looking from hang numbers and um the archives and things like that so they got the boat built we started doing you know the normal we call like the normal stuff like there's um the carolina is a world war one passenger liner off of atlantic city it sits in about 230 foot of water um the big name that like everybody seems to know you know knows over here used to be called like the everest of diving um for wreck diving was the is the Andrea Doria, which is the Italian cruise liner that's off of um, kind of like Nantucket I Montauk area, totally about that one, yeah. and that was just I, I know you posted some stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. So th- we just I just posted something you guys you guys shared it, from which I appreciate. Um, yesterday was the 66th anniversary of the uh, the sinking. Um, so it was Italian cruise liner. I not get too detailed in because I always mix up facts, but it basically collided with another uh, vessel called the Stockholm and they were diving it. It's actually started been diving. it, I believe in the, like when it went down. So in the six sixties, I'm going to say, and guys were diving it. They were, um, they went out and did a whole actual salvage project back then for the safes and they cut open parts of the side and things like that. But since then it's kind of been, Kind of like I said, it was like the Everest of diving, it's on its side. Um, it starts, it used to start at like 180 in the sands at like uh 260. Now it starts around 200. Most of your dive depth is like 230, 240. Um, so some, some of the guys that I dove with, that I dive with, or um, and still dive with, they were on the earlier trips, and it, you know, it was still it's intact, but it's not as intact as it used to be where you could literally take the deck plans and look at them and then go and go to certain rooms and get certain things. Um, so yeah, that was the anniversary was yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Um, so I posted a kind of a little montage of some stuff. A lot of stuff was going around People people um, getting it, but yeah, there's all kinds of, you know, artifacts with that. And since that's a private, um, it's not a military vessel it's free well there's a friend of mine actually has the ownership to it but they're for like little stuff like china and things like that pe- people are open to dive it um so we have you know i have some china lights um things like that from it um guys they they have the the guy that owns it, john moyer's they have one of the bells back in the nineties that they recover. Um, and it kind of circulates. they, they have, it; it's all restored, but also circulates on display at certain museums and things like that. So that's, that's the Doria. That's kind of like the one, a lot of people know, um, back in 2012, um, I was got invited with, um, you know, by Joe, cause he was like, you know, leading it, but there's other guys on there doing a lot of research and we were looking for, um, one of what we believe was like one of the last diveable U-boats and um, off the coast, off the coast here. So uh, it was over a span of two years and about a hundred uh, naut- square nautical miles of scanning bottom. Wow! And we and were that's able the, to locate Nazi it, boat, right? Um, yeah. So we, yeah, so that's the U five fifty. That would be um, so cool to dive um, yep. on that. So we were we were able to locate that yeah it was it was really cool the it's always that was my first like uh project that involved actually finding a new wreck um and like that's exhilarating and being able to dive it but once we we did a press press release and we were inundated with family members from both sides The, um, the human interest story was amazing we actually we found it in 2012 in the, in the summer, we went back a couple of days. We found it towards the end and we couldn't, it was kind of too getting too late to dive it. It's in 330 feet of water. So it was kind of later in the day. We did a, um, a drop camera on it and we were able to, we got lucky enough to get over it and get over like a loading torpedo hatch so we can confirm. I mean, we had this shape but we had some imagery that it was, you know, that's what it was. And then, um, we went out, we got back and then we kind of regrouped. And about three days later, I believe it was, we went back, um, out to dive it for the first time and and video. How long did it take to confirm that it was that vessel?
1: Um,
2: so they, they torpedoed the tanker. Um, the tanker wind up catching fire off in the distance. they, they tried to escape, and they uh, destroyers wind up causing dropping depth charges, causing it to, um, you know, take on water. So they had to come surface. One of the destroyers reported that it rammed it, and then basically they they surrendered. And but when it came up, they actually were the destroyers were shooting it, shooting at it, and one of the strays actually caused they believe the Pan Pan to catch on fire that they torpedoed. Because it was carrying, it was a T3 tanker, so it was carrying bunker oil. And that lit up. So that was kind of, and then they they kind of lit up the um, the conning tower of the 550. Actually, only one person died from that. Everybody got up. But then what happened was the, some, some of the crew jumped off ahead of time. Because there was the destroyers there, and they thought, you know, they can get to them and destroyers still thought there might be another U boat in the area. And, um, those guys, it was pretty rough and it was in the spring. So it was cold and they just kind of floated away. And then they did rescue, I believe it's like 10 or 12 of the 12 of the guys and brought them onto one of the destroyers. So, um, it was a really cool story. We, um, we met, um, Two of the survivors. Oh wow! Um, one of the nieces of the the doctor that was on the boat, and we met the captain's son um, in Germany. Oh, that's cool! So we went there in the fall. Went there, we got to meet, and it was amazing, amazing trip. And these these people really never talked about it, and their families were there, and they were like relaying their whole story about it, and there was. They had their kids, their grandkids, and none none of them heard these stories before because it's just kind of something they didn't didn't talk about. But I'm probably doing this this whole story the disjustice, but not. I'm gonna plug it, but it's out there. It's there's copies. People can contact me. I have a ton. They had a book come out. It's called "Where Divers Dare: The Hunt for the Last Jubo. Nice. Um We had an Arthur Arthur uh, Arthur author Jesus can't speak um, actually come with us to Germany and he like recorded everything. I remember reading the draft and being like, I was there and reading it and be like, Oh, I forgot about that already. So he, um, caught a lot of detail. It's a really good read. It's about the book, about the team and also about like the Germans, um, the fan, you know, both sides the the U S side and, and the German side. And some of them became friends and remain friends. Um, the captain actually came over after the war and trained with the U S military and trained and stuff. Yeah. So, um, but the whole human interest story of that was, uh, pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's awesome. And kind of with that. Yeah. So,
1: so maybe me and Johnny can go with you on a wreck. We'll just throw on some scuba tanks and go straight down there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You won't be, knocked. you won't be knocked at all.
3: Speaking as are, are all these dives with narc diving, is that narc diving, the wreck dives and
2: no. So that's, that was my like, um, website and I started early with like Instagram for when I was doing, when I was teaching a lot more. Um, that was kind of like through college, like in college and kind of a little bit after, um, cause I, I would teach, um, basic scuba all the way up through technical diving. But, um, And then do some guided dives and stuff like that. So now I still can do that, but just with work, it's just, it's kind of too busy. So, um, I get people reach out to me and I'll, I'll kind of forward them, uh, to people that I know that are still active with it. I keep everything active. Um, you know, really the only thing I teach right anymore is, uh, the first aid CPR O2, um. Bloodborne pathogen stuff, basically the safety stuff that we need for the company. Um, Which for the nice. company, for guys, you know, other guys that uh, that I used to work with, or they you refer me, I get guys mm-hmm. you know all the time from different companies that need need their certs updated. It's so, usually last minute, too. you know, it's like, dude, I need a class like now, it's, right. I <laughs> that. That's tomorrow, yeah, they go out a job,
1: they need it, yeah. There was yep. one so. there was one uh like girl in San Diego that a lot of guys used to go to because she was good with the last minute stuff, you know.
3: It was yeah. pretty
1: funny when you find that one person that can accommodate it. Commercial divers, man. Just it's always last minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What
2: but it's usually the safe, usually the safety guy sends you an email and goes, You're gonna expire by the end of the week. Get this done. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? Worst.
1: That's too funny. <laughs> So,
2: or or you're putting a safety plan together for like a stricter client where they require the copies of those certs, and somebody goes, "Guys, these are all out of date for X, Y, and Z." <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> trying to get a bit out. And nobody's current. Yeah, that's funny, but that's yeah. cool,
1: man. So you're doing a lot of the wreck stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's just amazing to to think about the the uh, the submarines because for a while a lot of people didn't even know that the german you know u-boats came out this far you know and to find uh how many did, did did they find like three i think in total or something
2: yeah so there's the one there's one up in um block island there's the one that we found that's kind of like off of nantucket um area and then there's one off of atlantic city um better diveable in this mm-hmm. you know area. I believe they found some off the Carolinas, but they're in deep, deep, deep water. They did it with robotics when they were looking, when they found them. So when
1: you find a wreck, you can go down and just grab stuff, unless it's military, is that correct?
2: Yeah, so military stuff's off. It used to be, and then there was a whole big thing in like the early 2000s. Um, but basically... Um, they just consider them the military or war graves and you can, you can dive them, but you can't take anything
1: off. Them. Yeah. I thought you had to have like salvage rights or something to take stuff off. Like, how's that all work?
2: So there's some, yeah, it's, so the, the long and the short is most of the stuff is not, is free game. There's a few wrecks out here that um, people have ownership to. Um, they, they put it, salvage rights did some you know work and then after i forget what the timeline is exactly but you can go from where it's just like rights to where you have to keep to where you just get full ownership um and you have to declare what you're looking for um and things like that but like the andrew Dorrit is um like i was saying has is owned by actually three people currently okay. it's a group um but it's it's open. Um, the one wreck, the Carolina that I was talking about, is a World War One cruise liner. Um, that is as well. Um, and again, that's open. Um, you just have to, if you dive it and remove anything, just let. Like any most of these wrecks, if you you dive them, they, you're supposed to send whoever has ownership, like what you recover, just in pictures, so that way. If it's not on basically what they're looking, you know, the main items that they're looking for, which is usually bells, compass, um, binnacles, things like that. Like the big telegraphs. Um,
1: so. And they'll do like expeditions yeah, the, and stuff, right? To those kinds of wrecks.
2: Yeah. So they'll do, I mean, it's, um, and they're not like necessarily like commercial dive ops they're just like us like recreation scuba divers that are technical divers that are you know do the research look at deck plans things like that but um like i was saying before we have and some other people you know we have capabilities to run hydraulic tools dredge things like that so we we do that
1: it's kind of like sightseeing picking up a couple
2: souvenirs here and there uh yeah I mean, and a lot of people too will get up in arms about taking stuff and not leaving it for other people, but these aren't these are not Great Lake yeah. wrecks. That's a whole different ball game. Those things are pristine. I just had a friend that was out there for the last couple months did forty five different dives. she does professional underwater photography and videography and owns a production company and like that's what she does and those wrecks I mean, you can see the teak on the decks. And these things are old. It's just, I mean, everything's there. It's not going anywhere. You come to these wrecks and, I mean, most of the stuff you find is either way inside a wreck or buried that nobody just swimming around would see. Um, Kind of use the example of the Andrea Doria, you know, that used to be pretty much intact and it's on its side. So it's kind of falling apart. It's not meant to be there. It's 66 years submerged. We went there one year and we were inside. This area, and we—it was the A deck, and we know it was the A deck because we found uh, room tags, and we actually with numbers, we were able to like figure out exactly where we were with the deck plans. We came in the next year, and where we were inside was outside, and deck layers just literally peeled away from the ship. It's just falling. It's just kind of it's kind of peeling away like accordion and just falling on itself. So most of that stuff would have been. Gone. So, you know, man, it's little stuff. It's to most people, it means nothing. I mean, I have shelves full of stuff and, you know, not as much something like little. I like, like China. I got some glass stuff, little keys, name tags. I have a lot of medical stuff from that area. Um, actually, cool baby bottles. I have two urinals, which are actually pretty cool. That was, if you saw in that clip that you reshared, we're drinking out of these like glass things they're actually bedside
3: urinals it was a
2: his and hers (laughs) that i found so um but yeah i mean i you know i should people come in the house they see it it's cool and then usually like the stuff that's like harder to find or not you know people aren't as interested i have megalodon teeth went down to the carolinas and done that what do you think the first thing everybody asked for
3: what are these yeah. teeth?
2: I'm like, do you know how easy this was? This was like literally me walking down the street underwater to pick these, <laughs> pick Some these off. Like um, teeth in Florida. In, in clear clear water and a hundred foot of water, like I came back with a you know a, a, a half gallon bucket full, you know, <laughs> I think a gallon bucket when it was like small white paint buckets full of them. So I put a couple of the nice ones on display, and I have you know have them sit in the shed that I'll give to you know people here and there. So yeah but that's that's kind of what we you know do for fun with you know how I got got into it and then um I also when I was in Florida got into the cave diving side of things um got to meet a lot of cool people there there's a lot of guys doing some amazing stuff down there with exploration um and and things with that I was uh involved in it was like 2010. There was a project down there in like WikiWachi Springs, is where the mermaids are, if anybody's familiar. There's actually a big cave system under there. Um, behind like the mermaid pen, basically. So gotten involved in the project there. Um went to a couple other things and made some friends at a buddy that owned a dive shop um in Belize. And there was a cave there um that was discovered in like the 80s with a sea cave. Um and got to go there to do some filming and then came back and, you know, got to add some, you know, probably thousand foot of like passage, which is for like cave diving is, is a pretty cool thing of like, you know, trying to find the main trunk and where it goes type of thing and dealing with mapping it. Um, and stuff like that. And a couple other little caves on the, on that Island. So I kind of, kind of get w- pretty well rounded with the, the wreck side of things. Um, most of the stuff for people is it is um basically all my wreck diving is rebreather okay. now kind of changed over it's just it's actually safer it's you know we use safer we can, than the hard safer app. is kind of cheaper okay for that kind of stuff i mean it's expense wise like you would need i mean you would need like a full um you know, a big dive operation to be able to pull off what we're you know kind of doing right. doing that way. But as far as like diving on tanks versus um, the rebreather, because it recycles the air you're using, you basically have a gas mixing machine. Is the easiest way to describe it to people on your back, and it recycles, so you're not using much in the way of gas. So you're using a lot more helium, keep you clearer headed versus you know guys used to do a lot of stuff on deep air and things like that and really anymore nobody dives typically over like 150 even that's like now like 130 on air yeah. and they go to some kind of mix just to just to make it a little bit safe you know a little bit more clear-headed type of thing yeah i know you touched on the uh,
1: uh you you did some cave diving as well i uh, just wanted to ask you real quick because mm-hmm. uh not too long ago, there was a recent uh, commercial diving death with a diver at uh, Ginny Springs in uh, Florida, and uh, I guess it was part of their after graduation, you know, party or something, you know, that happened or whatever. And they all went, you know, cave diving. So these are brand new divers. He didn't have any scuba experience in the past, and uh, he ended up going in this cave system and ended up dying. So that's one of the points that I kind of wanted to bring out is that just because you get your commercial diver card doesn't mean that you're certified or should you know do some of this other stuff can you explain a little bit like the intricacies of a uh, of cave diving you know wreck diving stuff like that the training the training yeah the training before we get into a little bit more let's go ahead and uh, pause for a break
0: rentaltoolsonline.com rto they've got you covered with rental tools that can handle the most demanding marine construction jobs and available to ship anywhere in the globe But don't let the name fool you. They also have new tools and equipment for sale at some of the best prices around with amazing customer service. RTO has a Trustpilot score of 4.9 out of five with almost 200 reviews. They're real customers, non-paid, real thoughts. Divex Marine was impressed by the great inventory. Bill Eubanks at Harbor Diving Service praised the customer support and fast shipping. And John Shaw at Advanced Marine Services says for a small contractor who needs to rent, RTO is the perfect solution. Quick and painless. Rental Tools Online carries all the major brands like Stanley, Nemo, JW Fishers, and even Pressure Junkies, to name a few. RTO has their own house brand that meets or exceeds industry standards. It's called Joint Zone. Not the place you used to smoke doobies by the bleachers, but an affordable hydraulic tool and lift bag alternative. Their joint zone lift bags are manufactured with a higher puncture resistance and load capacity than many other lift bags on the market. With advanced designs and materials, including optional cold weather coating, you don't have to worry about the next salvage job. So for the most convenient way to rent or purchase tools, go to rentaltoolsonline.com that's rentaltoolsonline.com back to the show
2: yeah so i mean there's yeah so it's a. it's a good point um, and one of the things and not that there's not guys that are commercial divers that are not good recreation divers but it's not they're they're two different animals it's it's diving and breathing underwater same but, same but different right i mean i yeah, you know, it's like there's, there's equipment differences. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of times I've seen and been on jobs, there's like, you know, it's just little things of like not knowing the difference between like a din and a yoke valve or like O-rings or certain things. They just, you know, you know your hat, that's it. If it breaks, how to take it apart. But that's not necessarily the thing. It's like with commercial diving, obviously, we have the redundancy within, right? You have a direct line to the surface. You have unlimited gas for the most part. If that goes out, you got your backup EGS, and then you have your diver carried EGS. So, you know, it's kind of I think sometimes taken for granted when the guys cross over. But like when we what we do in the training is that teaches you, you know, we carry at least we keep we carry at least you know two of everything type of things. So we have backups. Plus, you you typically I mean not all the because I'm not a, like you have to dive, but a lot a lot of times you're diving with somebody else. So you have a buddy. And you have redundancy, but you're kind of taught to be your the way the training goes, and the way I was taught, and the way I teach people is you're you have to be self sufficient that you can't rely on somebody else. So, um, you know, there's backups, but for like the cave diving specifically, there's like four stages actually to get fully cave trained. So you can you can start from just a recreational certification to get into the cavern, um, which is overhead, but you can still see like daylight and then you go to like an intro, which gets you a little bit further in. You're using double tanks, but limited, you're supposed to limit the gas supply, stay on like the main guideline. And then it, and then the next ones are like apprentice and full cave, which are basically similar, but they, you're supposed to go with the apprentice die for a year with other people and just use your skills and then come back for like the final, like blessing of doing that. But with the cave training, there's, you have redundancy. So with, when we just talk cave and that's where people, you know, the cavern cave and people just like, oh, cavern diving, they just keep going. So basically you have two gas supplies. So if it's open circuit, it's like, you know, a set of doubles with a manifold or maybe two independent doubles. Or now a lot of people are diving side mount where the, the tanks are on their, kind of under their armpits hooked to their side. Um, so you have two, independent gas sources you're taught gas planning where the most basic is a third of the gas in a third of the gas out a third of the gas on reserve which is different from well you don't really teach gas planning for the most part except bailout calculations on commercial side and even the record side it's just you know when you're at a thousand psi or 500 psi come up yeah you know because all no decompression right. stuff the other thing is you know we we carry you know, the minimum is a primary big dive light and then two backup lights as the, the bare minimum. So you have your light source. And then the number one rule with the cave diving is a continuous guideline. So in most of the popular caves, there is a permanent guideline, but it's deep in the, not deep, but like where most you have to know where it is or you have to be kind of trained to get to it. And it's out of the cavern zone it's cut back to where you can't see any day, kind of any daylight. So anybody that's cave diving, you run a, um, your cave reel or rec reel, whatever you want to call it, um, from the surface or, you know, from open water down to that, tie that off and then follow, you know, they call it the, the main line or the gold line, the more popular caves, there's like kind of groups that take, maintain the line. And they have this, you know, literally gold, it's like thicker than paracord, Line that you can follow because they're basically mazes, and if you don't have that, you can't distinguish anything. When you, once you get turned around, Done. besides the flow to help you kind of know the direction, you can't you know distinguish anything. If you know it gets silted out for some reason, whatever. So that's kind of you know the bigger things is the, the biggest thing where the where people that are not trained in it is the continuous guideline. They go down, they just swim around. Then they turn around. and They go, "How do I get out?" And then they usually wind up running out of air. Yeah, and they're typically not that not yeah,
1: that far. I think what happened in this case that we were talking about. Yeah, that's. So,
3: do you yeah. get all this training from Patty, or are they just strictly bare minimum recreational style? You can still see the light.
2: Um. Patty, Patty, ha, I believe they have their cave now. They do a full tech thing. Um, there's other agencies. Now he, now he does it. Um, they're like the two big recreation companies. But the big one now that's probably, I would say, I believe the most popular people is uh, SDI, TDI. Okay. So TDI takes care of most of all the, um, like once you start with like nitrox, once you have your event, and you start moving up on the technical side, You go you go with that route. There's a few, there's a couple other ones that are international as well, but, um, Patty's still kind of like your main recreation, meaning like your, your basic open yeah. water, you know, advanced open water nitrox where you're, you're still using like the vet, you know, the jacket style BC single tank, that kind of stuff. Um. 'Cause that's the other thing too, is like once you get into the technical side, the equipment's completely different from like the recreation stuff. There's like no um, governance for that stuff you know, from for the, the most BCs. part,
1: right? I mean, you could start your own organization
2: that is training as long as you got the insurance. They right? Yeah, they do have they have something. I forget if it starts to they have a like kind of like an agency of all the agencies that they like kind of talk to like make sure they're kinda of on board with mm-hmm. the same standards, but I don't know how much that goes in. I think I think it's just kind of a society thing right now. Is it just everything just kind of keeps getting dumbed down to the lowest common denominator, and things just keep getting easier and easier yeah, and easier. Which, and easier. which I mean, is not good. When I took my good. no, I mean it's not especially with you know with with this where it, the problem is it's they're looking at it as like a recreational activity and like sporting goods. Like you're comparing it to like skiing and things right. like that some of these agencies $100. and they're not seeing the, the, the exact they're not seeing the, the income about it. And then, you know, they promote to keep going and these people want to be instructors and they want to teach. Well, there's only so many people in it. There's only so many people. It's not cheap sport mm-hmm. to get into. And it's, it's not an instant. Okay. I'm proficient and can do all this stuff. So you have to keep, you know, you have to take the time, have to love it. Build the experience to keep doing you know these things, versus like if you want to go skiing, you can rent skis, go for a couple days of instruction, and they let you on the mountain and you can have a good time, you know. And it's not a big investment. That's kind of what I you know always like you know compare to. So um, there used to be a lot more. There used to be a lot less certifications. It was all more mentorship, Um, and I think that's kind of in any of any of our diving activities. That's really and most of the things like it's that mentor, that older guy that's been around that's seen it. You know, it. That's where you know you you learn a lot. And then by not just being able to go to the next step, the next step, next step, we always say like, you know, we had guys that dove a lot, um, and then, you know they start getting cocky, and it's like, well, you don't know until it happens, and they never had those oh shit moments. And I, you need those. You need those oh shit moments. To learn from so you don't repeat those oh shit moments and keeps you I feel like more level-headed if you have a worse oh shit moment or something that's out of your control and that only comes from time time in the water whether it's the recreation side the technical of the recreation side for scuba or even the commercial side of it so on that topic
3: our favorite topic is the oh shit moment now technically you should give us two. One scuba. Two. One commercial. Well, we know okay, You gotta have a couple. Yeah. yeah you gotta
2: pick a good one. Yeah. Um, let's see. My, my commercial was a little bit of an oh shit moment. I mean, it was, but it wasn't once I figured it out. But it, it was more of a like embarrassing, but you didn't know. I was under a pier. I think that's probably the worst one. It wasn't, I didn't have too many with that because I had, I knew better by the time of certain things, you know, with the, the recreation side of it. But um, I was inspecting a pier and they were doing, they were also doing con- uh, construction, you know, they're doing rehab to it. And we were doing an inspection and there's a pile, like a big cutoff pile, like laying across a bent. And, you know, it's always like, well, you don't go under anything. But I couldn't get over it. So I like put a shoulder into it. I'm like, this thing's not, this thing's wedged. So keep going down, working my way back and get back. And I went back under it and I'm trying to like finish the bend to come out. And I'm like, all right, I can't go. (laughs) I can't move. Isn't that the weirdest
1: feeling? It's like you're smoking a the crap. I can't move
2: anyway. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, all right, well, yeah. So the... I came back, chased the rig back, and what had happened was there was these, there's these bigger clusters that are concrete form, like concrete around that go down basically, and the rig, I guess as the tide was coming, it was right on the edge. It, if you know we use floating rigs, the waves kind of brought it up over top of this ledge, and the pile came down. And there was just like a six inch gap where the rig was through. And I'm like, well, I can't fit through that. (laughs) And we didn't have enough rig to feed it out. And I'm like, well, and there was a contract. There's actually, I was like, I just thought I'm like, well, somebody's got to bring swim down. Just, you know, there's an air gap or swim down a wrench. And we're just kind of disconnect. I was able to hop up to like sit on the pot, the thing and just, I, I was like, this is what we're gonna do. Talk to the soup, um, and then they the another. There was a diver working nearby, so they talked to them, and they brought me over a, an adjustable to take it off, and we just basically dehatted, unclipped, took it all, everything off. Told them, all right, we're going. I was like, turn turn the air on, go off. Of, you know, we're gonna go off of comms, and then they you know they blew the they blew the line out while I was feeding it through the water, and then I just touched the post. And when I needed him to kill it, and then I hooked it back up, told him everything was good, and threw it back on. And then, you know, I came back out to the ladder so the soup soup could check everything at that time because that was early on. That was probably, like, my, I don't know, maybe two years in of, of that. So it was just one of those dumb – I mean, it was – and something you didn't think was going to happen. It wasn't too bad. Um, I think that was really as far as, like, that – that goes well, really for something to oh shit!
1: It. on the commercial I side. I know that actually uh, there is a safety drill in the ADCI safety drills of uh, changing your umbilical out. So uh, be sure to look through the uh, ADCI dive manual in the very back. They've got like these uh, sample safety drills and that's uh, taking the umbilical yeah. off yeah. the hat and putting a new umbilical on the hat. So it's kind of okay. something similar to what you did. It's pretty neat, so again, it's weird, yeah, weird, just stuff weird stuff cool. that you get into sometimes.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like it's stuff like that, too. That like I made it a point to look at it ahead of time, but the thing was so big, I, get, I just couldn't put any in- oof in it to see if it was gonna go up or down. And it was enough time that the tide just dropped yeah. and it, it went down. Everything moves, you know, but yeah, yeah, that was uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all you kids out yeah. there
1: so <laughs> be aware of your surroundings that's why we do these oh shit moments yeah you know that way you're aware yeah. of what could happen you know yeah And the scuba one you got a scuba one lost in a cave that's what i'm hoping lost uh in a wreck, oh, in a wreck. Oh.
2: how scary must yeah. that have been do you so, ever take
3: guidelines down there or no it was
2: uh, yes and no. It just depends. It kind of depends on the wreck and how far. I mean, wreck wreck. Kind of, you should. Yeah. Do you, you wish you should. done it on this one? Technically, <laughs> the you should all the time. But sometimes you're, you know, you're just like jumping in. And it's more of kind of a hassle. Sometimes it's more of a safety issue. Like if you're not really going in, you're just kind of like going in a room. I think. But yes, technically you should all the time. But yeah, I was um. I was actually on the Andrea Doria and I slipped into this like crack up high and I went into the current um inside it was big it was a big area I was trying to look for some some area I was looking for and it didn't look right so and I just poked in and it was like a clear like the way the hall split it was like a clear step to just like go right in wasn't a big deal, and I turned around, and I guess the, I had a scooter. When they, we dived the deep stuff, we and the energy door is pretty big. There's some areas you can get in, so they have like the the um, not like the, the sea doo ones, but like the actual like technical ones. You like hook them to your crotch strap, and you you know they're depth rated to like you know three five hundred feet kind of thing. They move pretty pretty good. Like that's what we use cave diving stuff. We don't really swim for like big distances. We've been trying like to ask the boss for scooters. Hurt. Also helps reduce like decompression stuff. So we've been trying to What's ask that? our boss for scooters. Yeah, just, he just gives us a Yeah, book. but um, yeah. So I, uh, I, I stopped and I like was looking around and then I turned around to come back out and I guess I misjudged the how much current was inside and I I dropped down some. And I missed the exit and I'm like going, I'm like, I should have hit this by now. And then like stuff's not looking familiar. And then I'm like, I think I'm, I was like dropping a little bit. I'm like, I think I'm too deep. And now I'm like, all right, shit. So then you get a little bit of like the panic starts to want to set in. But then I'm like, all right, well, you're on a rebreather. You basically have infinite time. You're just going to have to air it out once you figure this out. Isn't like the weirdest um, feeling
1: that that sounds like, like right t- before the panic, you know? it's like, you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. Well, that's crap. It's just like the thinking gut feeling. I
2: think that's that, you know, that's it's that. Yeah. And that's where like the flight or flight situation Mm -hmm. I think comes in. Like you got to just swallow it back down and calmly deal with it or it's going to be a situation. Um, So I kind of was like realized I went too far. I couldn't see it. And I came back up and there were some like openings, but they were small. And the guy that I was diving with on this particular dive happened to be coming back across and I could hear the scooter, the noise. So I literally just out of this like little hole, just stuck my light and started like flashing it. And he saw it and he came to me and he could see my, he goes, your eyes were big as saucers. I'm like, I'm sure they were like, I was able to get your attention, but then he's like, He's looking he's looking at me in this whole small and I'm like and so I and with the rebreathers you can kind of talk because right. it's dry. And I'm like, find my scooter because I clip my scooter off and I put a strobe on it like by where I went in. And um he like he found it, but he couldn't see like he he couldn't see where I went in and basically long search. And then he's like looking at it and he like finds another hole. And he's like, kind of like trying to figure out if I could fit through this. And I'm just like, find the scooter. And he finally found it. And he was able to see where he put his, I saw where I saw his light come through where I went. And it was like way above me. And I just fucking beelined it for that. And then we were talking on the way back on the back. And he's like, I thought we we're gonna have to get you through that hole. I was like, I would have got through that hole if I had to. I mean, it wasn't that small, but like everything would have had to come off with the rebreather. But that's doable to to get out. I mean, this is you are at like 240, and we were like late in the dive. We we're probably like 25, 30 minutes on the bottom or so at that point. So, and we had a little bit of a cruise, probably like 200 feet back to the anchor. Um, so it was a little bit of a longer dive. As I said that was a little, little hairy situation. Um, that was probably there's been a couple of turnarounds, but nothing. That was probably like my most I feel like serious, and that didn't that happened a few years ago, like oh. pretty recently.
1: What do you do as a commercial diver though? Yeah. Like, what's a good step? Like, say if me and Johnny want to go, you know, explore a wreck. Like, how do we start out in this whole you know thing? Because we're not stupid enough to just get tanks and go down there you know people might think we are but we're not so i mean it's... it says yeah you guys
2: yeah so i mean really it's not it's <laughs> it's now it's like so obviously for commercial dive school you need your basic recreation certs but if you show up to a dive shop with your commercial certs and say nine out of 10 times i've no idea what that is i mean you know um and they don't they don't really have any rollover to the recreation side. So like, you know, the steps would be basically like your basic open water, and then from there, you know, the step two is always like the advanced open water, and then there they like inter- depending on your area and what you're doing. But like to do to do like what we do here, it's like it's a different thing where you need to like probably step it up more. But like if you were to want to go down to Florida, like South Florida and dive some of the wrecks there and like clear water, 30, 60 feet, you know, they're not big. You got clear water, advanced open water, water, cert. So it depends on the wreck. So there's like level stuff that you can do with
1: just your regular open water,
2: huh? Well, it depends. Yeah, it depends. It depends on the wreck. The location, like for like up here, because the viz and the way the style of diving it's, you know, I would suggest people to, I mean, you could do, like, basically stuff. It's better to, like, I tell people now, like, to get your basic stuff, even if you're interested in diving, like, what we dive up here is, like, you can go down, go down somewhere, like, warm, go down to Florida. It's the basic stuff. Mm -hmm. Get it. It's a lot easier because it's overwhelming to start out with putting a mask on, all this rubber, especially up here. And then you come up and you take an like, advanced class. And then these areas have like wreck diving classes for areas. I know even like the West Coast, I think they offer like wreck diving stuff like the way they do it. So, And they're not big classes um, like duration wise, but it's just kind of. And then some shops have like orientation thing like they'll be like, OK, what level are you at? OK, these are the kind of areas you can dive and they'll send like a, a dive guide out with you and like go over, you know, some stuff. You know, that's just for like the wrecks. Okay. You don't necessarily need a wreck diving right, search. Like they have them. They have searched for everything. Starts. To dive wrecks, it's more. It's yeah. I mean, you could you can have you know we call them card collectors. It's just every level, and they just have stacks of cards. Um, but for like the tech... like I think the better, like the easier answer, maybe like if you wanted to go like the the cave route, you would go to your advanced open water type through like a paddy or an and then you could do your cavern, which they'll still do um, in like recreation gear but they, they set it up certain ways. They require some different things. They teach you about the continuous guideline, things like that. And then you can go, there's a lot of places in Florida that you can just cavern dive. You can go to Mexico. There's a lot of places like that. And then, like, the next step from there would be the cave stuff. And then that's where you get into, like, the the beginning of, like, the technical diving side of things where they also have, like, an intro to tech, which gets you the doubles, the different host configurations, the redundancy, all all the stuff that gets you set up to do go either, like, further in the cave route or further in the technical route. And then there's Mm -hmm. crossover, too, because there's obviously deep caves yeah, if you if you like it and you want to stick into it, like and people do, like how I did is like I got my regular, I got my advanced, and then I was with one shop and just stayed with them and would sign up for dives. And you know, I was younger and you know, even the newer people. Because when I wasn't young, when I was well, I was still younger because I got into it younger. But when I was more experienced, and I was dive master level. Like if we had people that were from out of town that wanted to dive we would assign like a dive master. So my role would mm-hmm. be to take this group and bring them down and show them around and bring them back. So you kind of like get babysit because you're not local to it. You don't have, you know, you're not used to the conditions. And again, this is the Northeast is probably, I say it only because other people say, it and I agree and I haven't really found anywhere else harder. It's probably then, like the uh, again, most difficult area to dive. As a commercial diver,
1: it's cold. Um, um, want to get into more of the recreational stuff get the get the basic stuff we got to get um it sounds like you'd probably recommend being like in a diving club then is yeah. kind of the route that you're speaking
2: yeah it's either there's clubs or there's like a lot of shops well there's shops here or certain that have like we have season you know we have a season obviously that put out in the spring like their dive schedule of like and as long as the weather's good they go so you can regularly you know try to dive with the same mm-hmm. group of, you know, people to kind of help you gain that experience and like that mentorship. And, you know, I think one is don't, I mean, I don't even, br- I never bring it up, but like, okay. you know, don't throw the I commercial dive thing around. Like it's, yes, you're comfortable underwater, but it, I, you walk on the, you know, most, you walk on the bottom, you, you carry, you, you, you fall down a travel line, you climb up a travel line. When you're doing the recreation mm-hmm. side, you need neutral buoyancy. You got to stay off the bottom. You got to hover, you know, there's, there's many of recreation divers that have very, like are very skilled in the water that, you know, that move, you know, you don't, don't use a lot of gas, you know, they don't make much motions. They're not swimming with their arms. You know, there's, it's just, Mm. you're both forms of diving. They're just different techniques and just, you know, take the time to, to learn it. You don't need, you know, my thing I think I would advise is if you find you're working with a shop or people that are like, well, you need this card, you need this card. do they keep going? Maybe look other places. You don't need every level to do, to go. And if you just want to do vacation stuff, you said you get your advanced open water and that's Mm -hmm. enough. You have a good instructor to at least give you the basis that you can go most places around the world and do anything, you know, 60 feet or shallow or, and you know, in like you know, say Caribbean style waters. Awesome,
1: man. Well, that's some good tips and good yeah. advice, you know. Especially if you're a commercial diver that wants to do more of the 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 cool wreck stuff and everything like that too, you know. And or if you want to do cave diving, it's definitely not something that uh that you're going to want to do, you know, right out of dive school without any training. Um, at least get your advanced open water, and then uh kind of meet the people yeah. in those niches because you know diving is diving, but it also has its own separate niches and stuff
2: too. So, and I know a lot of guys that do it. Yeah. And a lot of guys that do it, don't really do it on the phone, but there's people there, the young guys that want to do it. And like, anybody, feel free. They can, you can reach out to me. I have a lot of contacts or know somebody that probably knows somebody in an area that could say, Hey, you know, look this person up and they can, you know, give you some crazy, advice because the last
1: thing we want is more structure especially you know.
2: if they're trying to do recreational
1: stuff no. you know because it's bad enough that our trade's dangerous to go out there and, and die in a cave
2: that's just yeah that, I mean, that's most, disheartening man it breaks my heart yeah i mean most of these accidents on all sides of it it's really preventable for the most part because it's usually just for the majority of them it's just yeah. lack of training or going beyond awesome man know, can you go ahead and plug some of your
1: uh, of your social media and stuff and That way we can get in contact with you?
2: Yeah. So basically my uh at Narc Diving is probably the easiest um Instagram from there. It's got a YouTube link. There's some videos that kind of was going strong there for a little bit, but hopefully maybe add some stuff. And then um you look uh narc diving on Facebook, there's a page page there. Um and they're kinda all they all link together. So and basically what I do is I post fun stuff, work stuff, friend stuff. I got guys that'll send me pictures and stuff from the industry. So feel free if you got some cool stuff that you want to get shared, yeah. send it over. And yeah, we'll sounds great. I
1: wish it. we could be over there with you chilling on the shoals, having a good time. But uh, we're stuck here in dirty lawns. <laughs> Easy.
3: Easy.
0: Not,
1: not that Jersey's any better yeah. though, right? Yeah. Go so, Mets or what? <laughs> yeah, I was Johnny was about to punch me here.
2: <laughs>
1: um, oh, I'm a South. I'm a, I'm, a Philly, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Philly fan. Yeah, one Philly's of our you know, favorite players back yeah. in the day was a Philly Chase Uddley. So. Love that guy.
3: Long Beach boy. Yeah,
1: Long Beach boy, born yeah. and bred right here. It's awesome. All right, man. Well, it's been great talking with you, <laughs> and I uh, had a blast. So you know, keep uh keep liking and sharing. You, too. you know, the Bottom dollar's Dive Shack. You know, check out Narc Diving. Um, we're here about education. We're really? here about fun and uh, stay safe, stay wet, and stay happy. That's my new thing. I, 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 I say stay wet and stay happy now. Is that a good thing or no? You yeah, don't, you don't like, like no, that model? No,
3: that's better than usual. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wet and happy, baby. <laughs> wet
0: and happy is good.
1: <laughs> All right. Catch you guys in the next uh, episode of the Bomb Builder's Dive Shack. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. Make sure you like and follow on our social media pages, on Instagram and Facebook. Please share this podcast with your friends or anyone interested in commercial diving. The only way that uh, we can make this successful is if we do get a lot of people that are listening. We get more listeners. We get more sponsors. And that means more free stuff for you guys. That's right. We are hooking up all of our diver brothers and sisters in the trade. And uh, if you keep sharing and liking, we're able to do that a lot more. Our Instagram is at Bottom Dwellers DS. Our Facebook is Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. And you can always like and follow me at LB Diver on both. The Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack is available on all podcast platforms Apple, Spotify, Anchor. We also have it streaming on our website at thebottomdwellers.com. So keep listening. Keep it safe. Keep it salty. This is LB Diver. Out.